Welcome, friends, to The Flower of the Cedar, a novel in episodic podcast form. We are about to start the next chapter. Come, join us. Chapter 6 Nena the Birther It was six days following when they reached the village. Both their estimates, the time remaining for the journey and the food remaining for it, had not been short enough. They arrived after the noon meal, which had been desperately scanty. Both girls felt angular with hunger. But when they came to the house Jan said belonged to the candlemaker and his wife, Jan stopped, bewildered. Two boys, barely eleven winters and probably twins, gambled in the yard, whose bare earth was strewn with last summer's sweet grasses. Rap had no children, she said. She approached the gate. Lads, she said, loud, to catch their attention to herself. Maybe you can settle a confusion I have. Is this the home of Rab the Candlemaker and his wife, Tiana? The boys looked up at her from their interrupted wrestling, breathing unevenly. One wiped the back of a dirty hand across his brow, streaking it. The other said, This is our home. No candlemaker here. My papa is a farrier. Can you tell me what has become of Rab? The brothers looked at each other and shrugged. We just moved here last spring, said the streak-browed boy. That's all we know. Jan was quiet a moment, then nodded. My thanks, she said. The boys returned to their grappling and joyful shouts. Jan and Lara returned to the main path to confer. I don't understand it, Jan said. Not two winters ago I came through. Tiana said nothing about any thoughts of leaving. They aren't travelling folk. They lived in that house over twice ten winters and loved it. What would have made them leave? Can we ask somewhere? Lara said, half meaning food and half the candlemaker and his wife. He must, I would, Jan said, setting her shoulders in a firm square. If Rab's not here, we'll need to ask for lodging, maybe work for it. And for food, too. Might as well both at once. She started down the road toward the next house. It was a harried woman who answered their knock. The end of a chastening sentence floated to them as she flung it over her shoulder at some unseen child. She rubbed her right hand against a rough brown weave, wrapped and tucked at her midsection and a pale, creamy streak followed it. Yes, what? she said, glancing at them, and then craning her neck behind her to shout something else. Good day to you, Jan said, tossing a smile like bright beams to the woman. We've 
come from a journey looking for Rab, the candlemaker, but when we... He's gone, she said. Left a winter or so back when his wife died. Why? Jan was quite suddenly still. Tiana died, she managed finally. How? She was well in joy when I saw her last. You knew her? The woman paused and at last looked at Jan, longer than a brief part of a moment. She looked and seemed to like what she saw, for her shoulders loosened, and her body imperceptibly shifted to face them directly, rather than being tilted towards the inner house as though drawn by two cords. Oh, it's sorry I am then to tell you. They'd a child. She died in childbed. An old tale, and sad every time. Rab took it hard, sold the house. Said something to folks about some family away south, among the marked ones, of all things. Think of us not knowing a thing like that. And he was gone inside a month. There's a new family there now. She pursed her lips on the end of that sentence. Lara wondered if it pertained to a silent judgment of the family. A child, Jan said, and now she had wept, swiftly and rough, without sound. They'd always wanted one. It did. Yes, it lived, but barely. Never saw a baby look so pinched. It came early, and it was long in coming. I've sat in with many a woman in her blood toil. Always the pains and the joys seem higher than can be borne. But tease was too long for her, poor thing. It was you with her at the end, Jan said. The woman nodded. I'm the birther for this place, Nena. She dipped her head with the briefest touch of forefinger to brow, as was customary for an introduction of strangers. Jan and Lara returned with their names. What was it you wanted Rab for? Nina said. A noise from within the house sounded before they could answer, however, and she blurted, If you will, and disappeared, calling. The girls waited in silence. Then Jan said, I hadn't thought this would be the day's news. She looked at her hands, held out gently before her as though receiving a baby wrapped in fresh cloths. Lara did not speak her thoughts, her stubborn, indelicate wondering, where will we stay now? Her bemusement at this distant murmur of death, a woman's death, a stranger, grief of strangers, probably poignant, but to her, faded, obscured. And a small, gnawing fear, very like the fear she found scattered in so many of her thoughts. She did not understand death, neither what it meant, nor its work. And without understanding, fear grew rank. She feared death and storms and the god 
Only her fear of storms, perhaps, was the straightforward animal fear of startling. She feared the silent hollow where her heart did not beat. When Nena returned with a sullen child hoisted on her hip, Jan explained their need. Did she have a place they could stay, perhaps some work they could do in exchange for board? And if she didn't, but she did, and told them so quickly with evident relief in her eyes, she wanted help with the children, six of them, all told and only three of them hers. A brother catches the unwanted with the wanted, she said, shaking her head. A time or two I've taken the wee ones myself to spare them. Their mothers had nothing, and told me to do what I liked with the babes. "'Twas good of you,' Jan said earnestly, but an impatient hand cut her off. "'Bless fool of me every time,' Nina said, a short laugh accompanying. "'My brains are near strung out with watching them. I never saw the beat of small children for threatening their own lives so many times a day.' If you girls give me the use of your eyes and hands, that'll do well for your meals and a bit of my barn. How long are you staying? Lara looked at Jan. They didn't know when it came to it. They needed to fill their food supplies again before leaving, and Lara did not think she could stay put for long with the summer beckoning. Four days or thus, she ventured. Jan nodded. Nena thought then said slowly, Well, all right then. Let me show you the barn. They stayed a fortnight in the end. Their barn corner was none too welcoming, but more so than the unsheltered ground of their journey, and it took them that number of days to work enough for a good three or so weeks' worth of food supplies. When Jan asked Nena about it, she chucked her tongue and said she'd barely garden enough to feed the little ones and could spare no preserved goods. She did not lie, but she gave the names of several tradesfolk in the village, with partners as harried as she but willing and able to pay for help. The days filled with the noise, demands, and sweetnesses of children, and Lara was soon crawling through herself with impatience to be gone. Jan found some cheer in the tasks, but she too looked to the horizon more than several times a day. Once she snapped at a little girl who had been fractious for hours without any apparent purpose. Good like you've had for screaming but little else! Lara saw what shame looked like on Jan's quick features then, and in the firm, apologetic way she put the girl in a quiet corner to wait out the fussing. When she rejoined Lara, she said ruefully, Too fiery, me. I've never been one with strength and patience. It's the gods' challenge to my heart, <laughs> to bear it and win out over it every time, or as many as I can. And more as I grow, she sighed, tired at it. But of course that's part of his challenge. Lara looked at her and suddenly laughed. I'm half crazy to get away from these little things, even the quiet ones, she said. 
You dazzle with patience beside me. Jan smiled. Thank you, she said, with a slight bow. <laughs> then, the god won't be setting me beside anyone on his day. One of the children wailed, his low clothes suspiciously damp. Let me, said Jan, when Lara groaned. Penance! They returned to Nena's an hour later, and answered to the reaching arms of her brood with grim smiles. Lara went in to tell Nena they had returned, the smallest baby in her arms. She thought its face decidedly unlovely, wrinkled like a walnut. Nena was sweaty over a low board in her kitchen, grinding spelt for meal. Back, are you? she said, sans question. Yes, Nena. Lara reached for the young child at Nena's feet, still too young to walk or crawl, pushing in a dull way at the hard-packed earth of the kitchen floor. As she unbent to standing, she caught sight of a hard gleam behind a stack of crockery and... Curious, reached for it. It was a tough, small frame of what had been a blossoming tree in miniature. The bark had cracked and peeled back from some of the joinings. Lara could see a wrinkled black bud left hugging one of the branches. But she thought of Aema's heart plants for the dead roots sat in no soil. They rose from a marble slab, polished, edges exfoliate like slate. The platter it made was perhaps large enough to cover a head in the rain, but not larger. What is... Lara began, rotating to face Nena, who looked up and gave an ugly start. Her throat rose red, and she reached and took the slab from Lara, pushing it deeper back behind the bowls on her shelves. Couldn't just, she muttered fiercely, Lara only catching several odd of her words. Don't know why, as if I were... And she returned to the spelt with upset strokes. I'm sorry, Lara said, herself upset and surprised. Nana's reactions set her stomach flipping. What was it? Long ago, Nina mumbled, still indistinct. Thought I knew the god. Stupid. I need to finish. Take them outside. She hunched into her work, unreachable. Lara left. The rich brilliance of Aema's heart plants and that crabbed dead thing struck her with discordance and a question why had Nena kept the husk of a heart plant Lara and Jan lay ensconced that night in the prickles of straw, talking in low voices about their hostess. She must have been married once, Lara said. She has the marriage arts on her hands. Jan nodded. 
She, too, had seen the minute, elaborate patterns of hin oils drawn into the skin of each hand. The marriage arts were customary in those parts, done for each young couple in masculine or feminine whorls three days before the public ceremony. The art-makers had a fine living and long legacy from this work, and they never repeated a pattern. Their lives were mostly solitary, often requiring lengthy walks and circular routes near their villages, where the natural world would suggest new designs for their work. Some art-makers looked to leaves, some to animal life, some to the flying of insects, others to soil and roots or water or the movement of wind. Rarely did an art-maker choose more than one primary source. It was said that these sources and the patterns they inspired could touch the one who wore the hin oils, so that a woman with thin traceries like leaf veins circling her wrists and second fingers would grow a lusher garden if she had the talent before. But others, it seemed, not to touch at all and enough cases existed on both sides that belief and disbelief in the connection thrived in equal measure without abating. She's made no mention of a husband, Jan said, and in all our time here we've seen no one about the place. We shouldn't ask. It may touch on a sorrow. If she says anything, then will be the time for questions. Lara paused then told Jan about the heart plant. Her friend was silent for such a while that Lara turned onto her side to see if Jan had fallen asleep. She wore a look of pain on her brows. Jan, I think, Jan said again, it touches on a sorrow. We must take care. When Lara awoke the next morning and came into the house for the first meal, she glanced at Nena, who was still sleep-taken, with a child on her lap and her hair in a snarl bound roughly back. Jan was mixing some milk-softened grains into her yogurt with honey and did not speak. Lara heard her decision of the night before. We shouldn't ask. We must take care. This seemed wise, yet nibbling away at her resolve was a strong push to know, without regard to the wisdom of it, to the feelings of Nena, to her privacy, a simple, curious hunger, a want that shouted itself louder than any other considerations. One tiny, bumbling voice within her asked why it mattered that she know why her hunger should be satisfied at the expense of another person's discomfort or sorrow. But the shout was more powerful, and Lara had no defences. Her empty heart within could not stir. Nena, she said, putting down her spoon, are you married? 
sleep hovering round the woman's visage seemed to fall from her, not replaced by any energy, but simply revealing taut sadness beneath. Nina gave one involuntary shudder. She looked up. Not yours to ask, she said. Her eyes met Lara's, unblinking and angry. Lara, Jan said, watching her with deep disappointment. Caution hovered in the word. But she had plunged in, whipped by the hunger to know and by her acquiescence to it. You have the marriage arts, but you haven't said anything about... I don't say because I don't want to say, Nina said, now holding Lara's gaze unbroken. Had her voice risen? I'm just trying to understand, Lara said, a bit sullenly. It was a simple question, wasn't it? She was just asking a simple question. You said some of these children are yours, but we've seen no man about. Did he die or leave? Jan said, Lara, she doesn't want... At the same instant that Nena half rose, barking, Get out of my house! The child unbalanced, fell forward and knocked his forehead on the table. He began to wail and scrabble at Nena's legs. Oh, Nena, Jan said, Nena, we're out! Nena picked up the shrieking boy and turned a quivering back to the girls. Language ceased to answer to her tongue when swept with anger, pain, or any strong emotion. Better to shut out, walk away, or slam a door on the offense. Lara, meanwhile, felt herself offended. She hadn't done anything. Just a simple question. You're being ridiculous, she said, surprised at the haughtiness in her voice. The adult to the child in a temper. Whereupon Jan muttered, Good like, Lara, come, and pulled her by the left arm, away from Nina, from the haphazard, abandoned breakfast. I'm so sorry, love, she murmured, as they passed the rigid older woman. A hand briefly, softly against Nina's elbow. They were outside again. No speech passed between them as they went to the barn, gathered their stores, and started walking. They exchanged farewells with those few of the village women whose children they had watched over, allowed the children a final clamber over them by way of goodbye, and had walked out beyond the village's farmlands by midday. The countryside they passed bore the marks of an approaching winter, with broad, bare fields of broken wheat stubble and drifts of leaves swept to the roadsides by the increasingly sharper wind. Lara did not speak because she was repeating to herself sentences like It was her fault. She was being irrational. She was overreacting. All I did was ask a simple question. These sentences held a sweet nectar to her. 
She needed its constant flow to smooth the rickety unease beneath. Not until half their lunch was done did Jan turn to her. You hurt her, she said. Lara bristled and trotted forth a good number of these justifying sentences set in mental rotation, and Jan listened, looking at her. Finally, Jan said, piercing through all these words, You saw it upsetting her from the start, but you kept pushing. Why? I wanted... Lara swallowed the next two words, realizing at the evaporation of her protective litanies how insufficient they were. Her voice shrank, but she needed to admit it. I wanted to know. Jan was quiet. She sighed. They finished eating and rose. Jan paused, looking Lara in the face. This, too, is why you need to bring your hearts to the summer. Not only because you miss them. Not only because you long. Because you are at the mercy of these kinds of wants. Because her pain didn't matter more than your curiosity. You are not whole, Lara. Lara made a noise, like weeping kept in the throat. I don't say this with harshness, Jan said, laying a hand on Lara's shoulder with the same softness she had given to Nana. I can say it because it is the same with me. Of course we're not whole. How could we be? Without wholeness come to abide? The confusion in Lara was too tumultuous to allow answer. She was angry, indignant, loathed herself, felt wronged, knew that Jan was right. She wanted the subject changed. Her skin crawled. They stood in silence and discomfort for several minutes. Then Lara started walking, not looking at Jan, who sighed again and followed. The Flower of the Cedar is written, produced, and published by me, Kay Ben-Avraham. This content is made possible by the support of my patrons on Patreon. We make monthly pledges they can increase, decrease, or cancel at any time. If you are enjoying listening, please consider supporting my work on Patreon. Even a dollar a month makes a great difference to a struggling author. For those of you wishing to support this work in non-monetary fashion, you can tell a friend about the podcast or... Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help ratings rise so that other people can find it. Thank you so much. <laughs>